0: All right, good evening, everyone. Um, I have Covid my first case of covid, so I'm just uh came down with it this weekend, so I thought I would keep everyone safe and teach here from from home. so this is I think one of maybe our second time we've done this kind of arrangement where the teacher's been online we Jill Shepard did that this last August. And I think it's a good thing to be flexible with, you know, if something like illness happens or if one of us is, t- is traveling as teachers and we can still come in. All right. We'll see how my energy holds up. This might be a, a shorter evening, but we'll see, see how we can go. All right. So tonight we start the first, uh, first series of talks moving into Donna or generosity. So this is this trio that um, we were exploring were these last three months. First one we explored was wisdom, then we explore, exploring Dana, and then we'll explore Sila, or ethical actions. And these three, as I mentioned last month, really interrelate, interwork together. There's a famous quote from the Buddha, that if beings knew, if beings knew, as I know, the results of giving and sharing, they would not eat without having given nor would the stain of selfishness overcome their minds. Even if, even if it were their last bite, their last mouthful, they would not eat without having shared, if there were someone to share their gift. Right? This is what the Buddhists uh, spoke of in the early teachings. So what does the Buddha mean by this the results of giving and sharing? You know, Why is this so compelling? You know, he says it was so much clarity and urgency. And that's that's really the exploration that we're going to be doing together this next week and the next month. You sing for yourself, you know, what does generosity actually do? What does Donna actually do for us? In terms of our hearts, in terms of our practice, in terms of a sense of interconnection. And also, what does the opposite of generosity do? What does that contraction of heart, that sense of uh, scarcity, of self-centeredness, of selfishness, how does that? relate what does that do to our hearts and to our minds and as we explored with wisdom last uh, month it's really about observing just really sensing and perceiving in a clear way that very perception and clear seeing then allows the wisdom to start to percolate through us it becomes not something the knowledge or something we should do but through our direct understanding And this this simple practice of connecting with um, the act of generosity. I was, you know, having some grapes with my wife the other day, and I had the pile of grapes, and I we're down to the last three, and I found myself, okay, I'm going to want to eat these grapes, but then there was that pause of like, okay, let me offer those grapes, and she took them, and I was like, you know, there's a contraction from that. But this moment of generosity, that choice point. I want to highlight that for your homework this week, and also uh, for this whole month, really, is to bring more awareness to this this choice point that we have constantly around generosity. And you can feel that, okay, I want this—that scarcity offering it. I should offer it, or I want to offer it, and you start to notice the intention behind it. And we'll explore all that a bit more in this this talk because it really highlights. That sense of joy, that sense of inner connection, it also highlights that contraction of heart, that, that narrowing of our, our perspective that they're just me and mine that I want to protect and defend against. Now, often when we talk about Donna, we almost just talk about it in relationship to teacher support and to support of the center. And that does it a little bit of a disservice to the whole broader concept of Donna. So I want to stretch that out to start to, um, to see that generosity just a foundation of our practice. And to just talk a little bit about that teacher support and also that um, center support just a little bit because it is such an integral part of how we practice. It's really one of the defining features of this tradition for me anyway as a teacher in it. And as a student in that for so, so many years is that the teachings are offered in a free way, you know, in a freely offered way. And I would give support as a, as a student back to that. And then as I've grown into being a teacher, you know, on be, being on the receiving end of that. Here's a quote from um, Gil Fronsdale and I actually have a little reading from him that I put in the, the homework this, this time. So you can look on those online. There's a link to that. And those in, in the room, I'll give you information on how to find that. So here's what Gil is saying. That at its most basic level, dana in the Buddhist tradition means giving freely without expecting anything in return. The act of giving is purely out of compassion or goodwill. Or the desire for someone else's well-being. Perhaps Donna is more about how we are than what we do. Through generosity, we cultivate a generous spirit. Generosity of spirit will usually lead to generosity of action. But being a generous person is more important than any particular act of giving. After all, it is possible to give without it being a generous act. So this this quote, I, I appreciate Gil. He was one of my... Trainers in my four-year teacher training at um, Spirit Rock and IMS and also IRC, the the retreat center down in California that, that Gil founded. I remember him talking about his approach to Donna at his kind of community center. And that was he wouldn't really talk about it very much. You know, he would just, you know, practice and there'd be this, you know, these two baskets off to the side And he figured that people, after a while, they kind of realized, well, what kind of makes all this this center go? You know, how can I give back to that? And part of the things that allowed that to to be that kind of relaxed attitude was having, you know, good reserves in the bank and having that kind of big generous supporters and donors. And it also is a a kind of an interesting way of teaching around Donna is that Donna is something that just, we just start to cultivate it. We start to grow around it. We start to understand it as our practice Stevens, I think often as people first come to practice, they really come from our, our normal economy, our normal way of doing things is how much are things and kind of get the best deal and have something that just offered freely. It's, it's a little, it's out of our our normal understanding, our normal range of, of beliefs and, and, and experience. I think, you know, there's so many things I do online. Um, just in my personal life, you know, that I just kind of consume these free offerings, you know, from YouTube or whatever it might be without really giving back, you know, but those were offered in a, in a free way, in a freely offered way. And so in, in our culture, I think it's, it's important to realize that there is that freely offered aspect and there's also the receiving that the teachers have. You know, being freely offered is not the same thing as being free. It's also not a transaction. It's not like, okay, this is how much this evening is worth or this retreat is worth or whatever it might be. It's really much more of a, of a sense of completion, you know, kind of like turning of a circle, circle that becomes complete from the offering of the teachings and the receiving of those teachings and the receiving of Dana and support. And so as teachers in this, in this lineage, in this tradition, we do offer the teachings freely. We offer it without expectation of fees or, reimbursement, and, you know, we trust. There's a sense of trust and um, receiving whatever students are willing and able to receive back or to give back to us in the form of support. Same thing with SIMS and other organizations, that really your generosity is what allows us to still function, to actually be here. So Donna, it's kind of the, the teacher support side of it, the retreat center support. But again, dana is this act of generosity, the act of giving, and generosity itself is all contained in this Pali word. And this is a much bigger concept than how we choose to support teachers or centers. The Buddha began teaching, when someone first came to practice, he would teach them about generosity. It's interesting to reflect on why he would do that. Because it's so opposite from our normal way of practicing in this culture. Usually most of us, including myself, came to practice learning how to meditate. That was the first teachings I had. And that was kind of my, my hook in. But that the cultivation of awareness, of mindfulness actually traditionally in the Buddhist time came a little bit later. The first that sense of generosity would be kind of instilled in someone, right? Generosity of how do you relate to your fellow human beings? How do you relate to the world around you, the natural world and all the different people who have come or will come after you? How can you have that sense of generosity, a sense of caring for them? And combined with this is understanding about our our impact of our actions. So when you start to reflect on generosity, we're naturally starting to connect into that sense of interrelationship, of interdependence of of kindness, right? of, of of that sense of, of we're all in this together. And then with generosity, with, with um, a sense of Dana, that starts to shift our relationship from one of of separation, of isolation, to one of interconnection. And the next aspect is sila of ethical behavior. So we have the kind of the positive expression of kindness, of generosity, of caring Then we have the other side of it that allows us to really become aware of those times you cause harm. We cause harm through our actions and through our words, and we become equally aware of that. So these two aspects of of dana and also sila then start to create this environment that we're a little less turned up inside. We're a little bit quieter inside. We're a little bit more connected. And that kind of interconnection, that sense of of feeling like you're connected to people, becomes this beautiful bedrock for concentration to start to rise, that sense of steadiness is start to arise naturally, our minds start to quiet down because we're not so busy looking over our shoulders, trying to figure out if someone's caught us in a in a lie and in some harm and Then the Buddhist practiced this teaching, so he would start with generosity with Sila with ethics, and then from there, go into the meditation techniques. Now, How do you develop that steadiness of attention? How do you develop that skill of looking and seeing in a clear way, a way that actually starts to transform us, start to change the very way that we're perceiving? As we explored last month in that cultivation of wisdom. And then from that place of wisdom, naturally generosity starts to come forth. We start to understand in a deeper way the the sense of interconnection. And so the practice begins with generosity and ends with generosity. Now, generosity is one of those things that it's easy to kind of should ourselves into it. Like we should be generous, we should do this, or we should kind of force ourselves to be in a, a generous way, even though we don't want to be. And it also is a clear action, right? There's actually something that we're doing, that we're in and any kind of action, especially like an act of generosity. There's often the stuff that happens kind of pre-action, all the gyrations and the thoughts and ideas and sensations that come up around it. And then there's the actual choice of how do we act? How do we actually do something around this, this intention? And then there's actual execution of it. And there's a chance to actually reflect on what that's like after we have done that. Because generosity, we have a choice of being generous or not, you know, in small ways and big ways. And that choice point, if we pay attention, can bring forth these unseen, these unacknowledged aspects of ourselves. We got to see clinging. We see things like craving and greed and hatred. All that stuff shows up in that choice point of being generous or not being generous. So the exact same action can have, come from very different motivations, very different intentions. And bringing in a sense of, of we can call it quality of investigation, or inquiry, of just kind of looking underneath the surface to see those less obvious aspects that motivate us can be a very powerful practice. You know, what's the intention? Behind action, what's the motivation and what arises around that? For those of you who are old timers, um, Sharon Salzberg, one of the first Western teachers to learn these, these wisdom traditions came, you know, came back from the East some 50 years ago. But we were lucky enough to have her come to Seattle and do a non residential for, I don't know, 10, 20 years, a long time. Sorry about that. And that. She would often share this story that, let's say, you know, she wrote many books. She said, okay, let's say if I was going to give this book to someone just to show the difference in intention, this difference in in motivation. So The same action of giving a book to someone, one of her books, can be coming from very different ways. She might give a book and like, okay, I want to show everyone else just how generous I am, how kind I am, how, you know, I want to make sure everyone sees it. Or maybe I'm giving the book so the person can maybe be nicer to me or give me something in return, give me some compliment. Or maybe the, it's just a pure act of generosity without any strings attached, without any sense of something in return from them. Remember Gil's paragraph there that at its most basic level, Donna in the Buddhist, Buddhist tradition means giving freely without expecting anything in return. The act of giving is purely out of compassion or goodwill or the desire for someone else's well-being so of course most of us aren't like that all the time you know not 100 percent of the time that we have mixed mixed intentions mixed uh, motivations and if we can step back from that judgment of those things that don't seem so generous we can actually learn a lot about ourselves And I can actually learn, okay, this is where, this is this expression of scarcity, this expression of greed, this expression of hatred. I can see that arising real time in my experience. And the tools of practice are really designed in many ways to help us see that, to actually observe that. Sometimes we think of practice as something we do in isolation. Like I just go to the gym and I work out. When I'm done working out, I don't have to be in the gym anymore. I don't have to have that same skill set. Sometimes you can hold that meditation, just something I do in an isolated way, and then I go on with my day. It has its benefit. It starts to work on us regardless. But most of us can't avoid starting to have our meditation practice start to transform our lives. We start to act in a little different way you start to be a little bit kinder a little bit more generous is often these these expressions because we move from this kind of self-centered isolated perspective to one of interconnection of interrelationship so there's a famous um instructions where the buddha talks about the act of dana the act of giving and to really reflect on it to really amplify the benefit of it is to really delight in the before giving, the act of doing it, and also the after giving, you know, to actually reflect on that. So I encourage you to start to bring that to your own awareness, is that when you offer Donna, whether it's to Sims or to a teacher or just the small or big acts of Donna that you do throughout your your day, throughout your life, of complete strangers, of dear friends and family, the act of, of generosity. You know, we have that choice point. Just reflect on how that is, how it feels to be generous. And we actually are doing the generous, generous act. Pay attention. Be awake to that. Actually sense it. Actually know it. What is it like to actually offer generosity? And after afterwards, just reflecting on how it feels, how good that feels to be generous. So this way, generosity, paying attention to it, starts to build the potential for more generosity in the future. It becomes a relationship to others, a relationship to life. And we can also notice the times when we aren't so generous, when our hearts contract. And if we can not judge that, but just get to more of a sense of, isn't that curious? Isn't that interesting that my heart is closed around this act of generosity? I say no to it, so it becomes something we can learn from. So generosity. Now, a few other thoughts around this. One is how much we give. How much do we offer to someone? I remember before I became a teacher, and I was like a retreat manager. I, I managed. My wife and I managed. Basically, all of the non-residential retreats for a number of years, and people would ask me, "Well, how much should I give? How much should I give the teachers? What stana amount is appropriate?" And this is, you know, of course, a natural question, and it's like, okay, what I want to be, a, you know, in the right range. And once I became a teacher, there's a huge range of how much people give, you know, and all of it's accepted in a sense of gratitude a sense of of thank you for for offering that one sutta from the some nikaya says that some people from the little they have some people um, provide from the little they have others who are affluent don't like to give an offering given from what little one has is worth a thousand times its value So even though we may not have much, can we offer in a way that is that's still connecting? We're still making that connection. That's why I think for for Teacher Donna and Sims Donna, I think it's good just to have an ongoing relationship to it. To each time I come to how can I connect, how can I support, I have a sense of supporting that. And how much you give really doesn't matter. I think one of the things I really appreciate about Sims is that no one's turned away for inability to pay. No one's turned away because of financial reasons. That there's this freely offered attitude toward our practice, toward the sense of, of, of the generosity of the teaching. The teachings are given in a, a dana perspective, a dana attitude. And I remember as a student, you know, having not many, much means, For many years and feeling that sense of guilt or remorse, not so much remorse, but just kind of shame, really guilt and shame and not be able to offer as much as I would like. But also just reflecting my own means like, okay, I don't have so much and I'll just give as much as I can. That feels feels comfortable. And never underestimate the power of small gifts. Another line from the early teachings that even if a person throws the rinsings of a bowl or a cup into a village pool or pond, thinking, may whatever animals live here feed on this, that would be a source of merit, right? So setting aside our our modern understanding of ecology and, and how we may not want to be polluting bodies of water, but, you know, just that intention that, okay, I want to help share, you know, share the creatures. Often when I have um, a water bottle, Like sometimes coming down to Sims in the summertime, my water bottle in the car is way too hot. But I try to find a plant that I can give that to, that I can offer that water to. Then I fill it up with cool water for myself. So just that sense of connection. How are my actions impacting others? And then there's also an interesting piece around giving with integrity. let's touch upon that. So integrity... There's this little sutta, a little line from a sutta that I, I'll read with you. That how a person of integrity gives a gift. These five are a person of integrity's gifts. Which five? A person of integrity gives a gift with a sense of conviction. A person of integrity gives a gift attentively. attentively. A person of integrity gives a gift in season. A person of integrity gives a gift with an empathetic heart. And a person of integrity gives a gift without adversely affecting herself or others. Right. So these five elements, that conviction, that we're not just kind of wishy-washy. There's a sense of, of actively giving, being really connecting with that choice and giving not out of a, a vague way or indecisive way. But okay, once you've made that decision to offer that in a clear way, being attentive to it. You know, can you really connect with the act of giving, the act of who you're giving it to? Like you do this with like someone who's homeless or a real change person, you know, giving Donna a basket, whatever it might be, to really connect with that. Actually be present for that That process. Be present for making, actually making eye contact. Being present for all of the stuff that's happening. Acknowledging this other person. Acknowledging the act of, of, of releasing giving in season you know, to know the right timing of something, when is a, a gift really the most appropriate, when is it the most helpful? and to to start to be aware of that. You know, when is it perhaps most needed? And from an empathetic heart, a beautiful expression, this empathetic heart, you know connecting with that sense of, of empathy, that sense of inner connection. I hear someone has a need, you know, kind of given away, sharing my own good fortune, my own generosity, whatever level I can, I can do that. And this last one, without adversely affecting herself or others, without adversely affecting herself or others. So this is, also, I think, an important point for some of us who. Especially around Donna, we may not have any, you know, issues giving, but perhaps we might give too much or we might overextend. And what I like to do in my own practice around Donna when I offer it to my teachers is to start to notice, I come up with a number, right? And then I start to, I play with it. I guess, okay, let me add maybe $100 to that or $50 or to it or whatever percentage makes sense. And I subtract, uh, subtract the same amount. I start to notice what comes up for me, right? So if I come up with this number and I say, okay, once if I gave less than that? And I notice what comes up. Oh, there's a sense of maybe regret or remorse. Or I give too much and I feel that scarcity. Am I going to be able to make my means come together at the end of the month? Will I still be able to make my rent and my all my expenses? And so I start to find where that that sweet spot is that, okay, I can land there. That feels like a... A generous amount that's not affecting me, that's not adversely affecting me. Joseph Goldstein, again, in relationship to teacher Donna and, you know, organizational Donna gave this very pithy instructions that give without re- regret, to give without regret. Because if we give too much, we can feel regret for that. If we give too little, we can also feel the sense of regret. So finding that, that sweet spot, that place of, of going back and forth. And then generosity, you know, as we'll explore in this month, isn't just about financial amounts or isn't about just material things. It's also the act of our attention, our act of our service, our act of, of caring. And finding that place of balance, of not overextending ourselves, you know, giving stretching ourselves when needed, and also um you know, being being more aware when it's time to, to step back. You know, being on the, on the board and being a guiding teacher, I get to see volunteers in a more intimate way. I get to see, you know, who are the same people who keep, you know, raising their hand and engaging and doing things. And sometimes it's like trying to help them say, okay, it's, you're doing plenty. Maybe step back a little bit. Give yourself more space. And others we step up. I think a simple formula that I think is, is really helpful, real fun. Just notice what your natural tendency is, right? That natural tendency is a way of expressing your how you've ordered the world, how you've ordered your sense of, of self, the sense of all your, all your stuff is kind of oriented around that. And then do opposite of that. Do something different from that. Like if when we ask for volunteers, you don't raise your hand, maybe raise your hand and see what happens. If you're the one who always raises your hand, maybe step back. A little quote that that's uh, appreciated from Insight Timer that I sometimes use is that self-care is giving the world the best of you instead of what's left of you. And Katie Reed said that, who's a a blogger. Self-care is giving the the world the best of you instead of what's left of you. So this is the act of generosity that equally extends toward yourself as well as to others. And this is in a live practice. It's in a live way of, of how generosity can show up in so many different ways in our lives. All right, let's just sit quietly for a couple of moments, letting those words settle. Thank you for your kind attention. And let me speak a little bit about the homework and then we have a chance for any questions you might have. So the homework is around generosity. So bringing special attention to the small choices to practice generosity, right? So these are choices that are coming up constantly, you know, day in and day out, especially if you're out, you know, in the world doing things. If you're more by yourself, you have to be a little bit more creative around that perhaps. So much of generosity is involving with other people, but you can still kind of notice that. You know, how's my choice of how I give my attention, my energy? When do I step back? When do I step forward? These can be simple things like letting someone in line in front of you or offering the last bit of food. Now, how can I relate to that? You know, how can I start to become aware of that choice point? And so mindfulness, I remember Christina Feldman talked about it. It's like a way of kind of slowing down our normal reactions and reactivities. It allows us to see it more clearly. So notice that pre-action time. What comes up, the intentions around it, the the sense of internal sensations, the emotions, the beliefs. And then once you make that choice, whether it's to be generous or not to be generous, still pay attention. What's the the ramifications of that? What's the echoes of that in the body? And then as you give or don't give, notice how that feels. And then afterwards, just reflect on the, the the residue of that or the echoes of that. And it just starts to bring a deeper awareness to us. It's a lovely way to to integrate our practice into our daily lives. Also, I came across um, a reading by um, Gil Fronsdale called generosity so i put a chat in the chat it's in there um early on for those who are online and then for those on in person you can just search gener- generosity by Gil fronsdale and that will give you a nice little article that i thought was very um comprehensive and i pulled some of his his quotes from that all right so let's see how it's how it's uh like to do questions from the online perspective so if you have a question online, you can just raise your virtual hand If you have a question in the room, maybe you could raise your hand and then move over to the the seat where the the mic is that Dave will direct you to
1: okay, Jen go ahead thanks i um I love
2: um thinking and Talking about and hearing about um, this perspective on generosity, I think it's it's really, really, really important. Um, I guess one of the things that I was thinking about um, was the the, um, and one of the things that I really like about what you said is thinking about it, not in terms of like, what you're going to get out of it, but like, you know, just letting it be what it is and, and not expecting anything in return. I think there's a lot of messages in society that kind of say, if you give, then just think about all the things that you're going to get back. And, and I think, Oh, I don't know. That's, that's the way, you know, true generosity really works. But one of the things that I was, um, have been learning about is, uh, this idea of, um, uh, you know, using Benevity or something like that, uh, an application where you can a- actually just automatically send money through, you know, out of your paycheck to, um, some really high impact, um, uh, causes like mosquito nets uh, for malaria. And like $10 there just saves a ton of lives, you know, and, and there's just such a gigantic impact that the mon- your money can make in and, and these other areas and make such a big impact in, in terms of the, you know, what you can do for the environment and all these other causes. And so, but you don't get the feel good stuff. You don't like get the kind of the eye contact if you're uh, donating to somebody that was, you know, homeless or something like that. So there's no, there's no positive benefit from it, but you know, if the money just comes out of your account, then you can have maximal um, maximal benefit, more bang for your buck, like literally, um, and what you donate. But then, you know, like what I do is I just have every time I get cash, I just leave it in my car. And then I just, you know, if I, I can just, you know, get the feel good moments and other ways, like donating to a homeless person who seems, you know, really, uh, challenged or, or helping a friend, um, who needs, you know, soup or whatever. So I don't know you, uh, is that something? kind of the, that kind of bigger broader subject of, of um, donations or generosity is that also a part of it because i think most of the time you're focusing more on just kind of like the local local stuff
0: yeah absolutely i think there's a tremendous amount of creativity and ways we can express generosity and yeah something like having a a monthly or regular donation that helps something like you know, mosquito nets and, and malaria, you know, in other parts of the world, that's absolutely, absolutely right. And what you can do is maybe each time, to- each time of the month where that goes out of your, your account, just send a little reminder to yourself that you get that and you can say, Oh, okay. Let me just reflect on that for a couple of moments. Oh, you know, my, my $10 has just saved people's lives. I mean, that's that's a big deal, you know, to actually really let that in. So generosity in that way, it does have this, this benefit. There's a sutta that I w- I came across that I might talk about next week or next time I give a talk on this. But the Buddha is talking about all the different motivations behind giving. And one way he talked about it, kind of the, the most beneficial, was really just as how it brightens the mind, how it really lets the mind you know, relax. And there's a sense of of joy and peace. Joy and peace is a precursor for concentration, which then leads to more wisdom, that steadiness of attention. So I think it's, it's, I think I would would definitely encourage everyone to do things like that, to offer in in a regular way to those needs, which have a high impact and to make it part of your practice, you know, to actually reflect on the good that you're doing and to really reflect on that. You maybe have a picture of, Something that reminds you of that, maybe on a daily basis even. A malaria net or a mosquito or whatever it might be. That's
2: so, awesome. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate that. That's welcome. great. Idea.
0: You're welcome, Jen.
3: Okay, Tang Tin, go ahead. Oh, hi, Tim. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to definitely, uh, learn more from you. Uh, about the relationship between is, uh, isolation and uh, generosity. So certainly I would not say isolation is a bad thing because I feel sometimes try to have some extent of uh, isolation will make you realize the importance of uh, interconnection with other people. And also I feel uh, isolation is definitely um definitely very important for you to learn how to uh, uh, look after yourself and also how to uh, reflect yourself, uh, especially you intentionally to stay alone and you intentionally not to uh, speak with other people for uh for some time for a while so definitely you know like i really want to uh learn more about you know how you will think about the relationship between isolation and uh and generosity and especially you know if sometimes we ha- we're forced to stay in isolation or if isolation is something that uh not our choice, how can we still uh practice uh generosity and also um raise uh connection with other people uh in those situations? yeah thank you thank you,
0: yeah so the sense of of isolation like both as a kind of a positive choice to choose to be isolated and then when we don't have a choice like coming out of covid or like I'm going through that now isolating myself. Is like that, how do you still extend generosity around it? So, so much of it really depends on the intention behind it. You know, what's really the intention? um, And where is that intention kind of coming from? Is it coming from a place of wisdom, of understanding? Is it coming from something that's almost wise, but it's kind of maybe not quite so wise? Or is this coming from something that's more adversive that we can actually pick up on? So a lot of it is, is not only knowing our own self, but also listening to the feedback of life, you know, feedback of other, other people around our choices. So like isolation, like let's say, um, I want to be, have some solitude. I want to really have like noble silence and just kind of devote myself to practicing for a period of time. So I'm intentionally kind of turning away from people that can be really beneficial, it can help us really cultivate that inner stillness and that. And distractedness. And at some point it maybe becomes a place that we kind of using it as, as an escape, as a way of avoiding, right? So that same action, it can be an act of generosity to ourselves or it can be an act of maybe not so generous toward ourselves. And then if we're kind of forced to be isolated, you know, whether we have COVID or something like that, how can we, you know, still feel that interconnection, still that reaching out? And you know, generosity is such an interesting thing because sometimes I think we miss the subtle ways it can show up. You know, just that subtle ways like sometimes, like, I'm, I'm walking through the park and I see, like, I'm walking my dog and another dog owner is coming. And I might just make a choice to accommodate that or to, you know, shift so there's not any dog on dog conflict or something like that. Or, you know, waving a, a reclusive neighbor that, um, she sits on her porch and she kind of ducks her head behind her bush. But if I see her looking at me, I, you know, say, hi, Nancy, you know, and, you know, catch her eye. And she always is happy to say it back, but it's that sense of, of, of interconnection and stretching yourself. So it's ideally what happens is we start to develop this inner freedom by practice, by learning ourselves very deeply, by uh, the transformation of insight that inner freedom to kind of just melt meet life how it needs to be met with in one moment moment of solitude moment of interconnection Does that help at all i don't know if i got to your heart of your question or not
3: uh absolutely <laughs> i think that works but i definitely need to practice more <laughs> with your
1: uh... great thank you
0: all right so i think there's some people on in the room is that right? Is that why Seattle Insight has their hand raised
1: Looks like we have Marco coming up What about the case
0: of
4: the converse uh, what, what what about receiving generosity
0: um, what tell me more about that like what's
4: well we're talking about being generous towards others, but what is the attitude about taking Generosity from other people,
0: yeah, I think that's also a great place that you know maybe I'll explore that you know as, as we go through these this uh, these weeks together, but yeah, the act of receiving generosity, you know, like many of us, I, I, myself, it's like sometimes that's hard to receive it's hard to receive someone else's act of kindness or of care of support, and learning how to have that you know acknowledging that, but also not having to have those strings attached, not feel like I have to, to owe the person. So that, that very act, you know, again, we can, we can really tune into the reaction that comes up from us and, you know, start to appreciate it. Cause that's, I know for a long time I had this habit when someone would offer something to me, I would say, are you sure? You know, and which I was really saying, are you sure I deserve that? Are you sure you want to give to me in that kind? Well, of. You life.
4: have to remember that it's making them happy
0: to, to do it. That's so. right. That's right. So I stop doing that or do that a lot less and just connect with that moment. Yeah, they they're, they're ha- have a sense of happiness in offering that. And right. the best way to, to honor that happiness is just to meet them with that and say, you know, thank right. you. Whatever is appropriate in that situation. If it's in you know, a Buddhist realm, you might bow or if it's a sense of just a stranger, you just you just receive that. And and that just helps us feel more and more connected. And then we start to relax more and more into our lives.
1: Wonderful. Thank you.
0: You're welcome, Marco.
1: All right. you
0: have another online person? Okay.
5: Oh, um, I wanted to mention some of the other forms of generosity that I've heard that I thought were interesting. So uh, one thing I feel like that gets overlooked is frugality as a form of generosity. When you're not taking things that you don't need, that means other people get more. Um so in a way generosity is kind of like the opposite of of greed. Sometimes you want something even though you don't need it. Sometimes you see chocolate and you're not really hungry, but you just want to eat chocolate, so you know, you eat it. So not eating that chocolate is a form of generosity. Um and in that way we can practice this generosity like totally alone because you can just practice not being greedy, not taking more than what you need. So you don't need to necessarily give to someone else to be generous. Um, and also, I wanted to say, um, uh, meditation in itself is a very generous act because when we're meditating, we're working on our own minds. We're we're honing the mind. We're making it uh, better. And that's really the one thing that no one else can do for us. We can only do that for ourselves. And because our mind isn't very good, it causes a lot of suffering for other people. How, I mean, how many times have we gotten angry at someone and, you know, hurt someone or been greedy and hurt someone? So when we're meditating, we're, we're we're fixing the root cause of a lot of suffering for other people. So sometimes we like to think of meditating as a selfish act because we're sitting here in solitude, not not helping other people, you know? Um, I mean, what, why are we meditating when we could be solving world hunger? Why are, you know, but by, by, by fixing what's in us, the, by fixing the thing that really no one else can fix, we're, we're, it's also a form of generosity. So I just had those thoughts and I, I wanted to express them.
0: Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's well said. Yeah, that sense of, um the first point around that sense of renunciation or frugality and you know, choosing not to take something, you know, we can look at the precepts and which we'll explore next month. But that sense that that's the one around not stealing or not taking that, which is not freely given the flip side of that is, is an act of generosity. And I, I like this one. It's it's also a really practical one to practice, to, to explore. Like if you're, going to a holiday potluck, for example, and, you know, you're first through the line or early in the line, there's these really delectable morsels and, you know, there's only a few of them. You know, you can choose, okay, how much do I take? Do I just take a little bit in relationship to everyone else that's there? And that is absolutely an act of generosity. You know, there's so much generosity we can do around greenhouse issues and climate change and climate crisis there's so many things we can work on that no one may ever know that we did that but we can we know that we are really contributing to caring for everyone else through our actions and yeah renunciation is a a core piece of that and then yeah the practice of of meditation is like learning to kind of clean up our own minds and and because we start to really Respect and have a really healthy appreciation for how, if our mind's not clear, it really amplifies our actions, which are unskillful. We act in a way that causes harm. And so, yeah, absolutely, that is a, a key piece of, of the practice. So, thank you for bringing that forth.
4: Thank you. So, Tim, uh, my name is Walid. Uh, first of all, thank you very much for your generosity, which you, you know, like very selflessly. Uh, did not talk about today. Uh, You are taking this time to uh, share with us your teachings, uh, even though you are ill, so I hope you're feeling better soon, but thank you very much for for that generosity, first of all. Um, I was reminded uh, by something that somebody said, um, and this is another remark, and then I will kind of come to the thing that I actually wanted to talk about. I want to acknowledge uh, somebody as I was getting into the elevator today, uh, dressed in kind of like military uniform. Uh, he went in before me and he asked me what floor I'm going to uh, because he went in and it was kind of like easier for him to do that. And it struck me, first of all, that it's been a while since anybody has asked me what floor I'm going to on the elevator. It's a very simple thing, uh, but... Um, you know when when it happened, it reminded me that a lot of military folks uh what they do comes from a place of a lot of generosity um, and um, it just um, that that one act of this one person um, you know reminded me very clearly of that, so I wanted to acknowledge that and, and share it um and I hope this is not a political statement. This is not intended to be a political statement of any form. It's just about the generosity of this person and uh, people that do uh, things similar to what he does. Um, you, you mentioned something at the beginning about Buddhists starting teachings with talking about generosity before getting into things like meditation. And what that made me think about is whether it might be... Um, Easier to think of uh, letting go of physical things than letting go of emotional things, uh, for example. Uh, so I wonder if you have any kind of like comments uh, on 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 that thought. Thank you. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for those that sharing. Yeah. Just to, to touch up on your first
0: comment. Yeah. That's there's a reason we call it, you know, in this in the service that you, they are they are serving. They really give up their. Their lives and their autonomy, and there's often a you know a d- deep sense of, of respect that is engendered in that you know that those traditions and also it may, highlights the point that we can practice with generosity by- exer- observing other people being generous you know we can observe all that that was a generous act, and that really again brightens the heart it brightens the mind and and those are really pre Prerequisites are ways that help our practice to deepen. And then with your, your back to your question around, um, actually, could you say your question again? <laughs> I forgot it now.
4: Oh, of course. So it was kind of following up, kind of a, a thought about your remark on, uh, the Buddha starting often teaching with talking with general about generosity.
0: And- All right. Around physical possessions yeah. versus emotional releasing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, um, you know, I haven't thought of it in that way, but that's what I love about these questions is like, I get to see things in a different light. It's like, oh, that's, a, that's, that's great. It's like we really start to share the dharma and exploration together as, as a sangha. And I think that's, abs- I think that's a good way to think of it. That sometimes it's, if we practice giving away possessions, it might be just something simple as a dollar bill or it might be something that's no longer serving us or that's something that someone else really needs. That starts to give that, that's the same. It's like a physical manifestation of that relinquishment or that renunciation or that that freely offering. And that starts to teach us ways to relate to those things we take more invested. Because we can almost say that a physical physical possession is very different in one hand than like a deep emotional belief or a deep belief about ourselves. And on the other hand, we can say that they're really essentially the same. The same sense of attachment, that sense of identification around it. Because something that I a physical thing that I own I hold very dear, it's like it's it's like this this cup represents everything for me. I mean, this cup doesn't, but if it did, you know, like letting go of it, if it got broken or shattered, I'd feel all that around it. And practicing letting go of that, I think, does start to teach us. Letting go of those, those deeper beliefs. So I think that they probably work, you know, hand in hand, you know, they probably go back and forth and, and maybe, you know, we could even say that might be a, a nice practice is, you know, looking at that kind of those two sides, physical giving away and relinquishing or releasing emotional things, whichever one you're kind of stuck in, do the opposite and see if that kind of loosens up the system. It's like, you know, if you're if you're feeling really contracted and separate, do an act of generosity. You know, if you're feeling really um, like you don't want to give up something, then, you know, think about releasing something. I think as I talk about it more, I think you're really on to something that's that's really an integral part of practice. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you.
1: All right. Anyone else like to share anything?
0: Okay. Emory, go ahead.
1: Hi.
6: Um, yeah, I wanted to thank you also for being here tonight, even though you're not feeling that great. So appreciate that so much. Um, I had a question about generosity without maybe wanting to be generous or feeling very generous. So I'm thinking about like our um just the responsibilities and duties that we have in our lives and all of the ways that we show up for for people or for our community or for our family, even when we don't feel like it, you know, even when it's hard or um, there's other things we'd rather be doing or even, you know, stretching ourselves energetically or with attention or time because we feel like it's the right thing to do and because um, we have that sense of sila, you know, really of like fulfilling our responsibilities. And so um, I'm just wondering what the Buddha would say about that. You know, is that. I don't know, like. Um, OK, <laughs> Um or, you know, I don't know. Then, and, and yeah, I guess I'm also asking about that line of when do you just say like, gosh, I'm just really too tired. I, I'm not available to you right now or whatever. So, um,
0: yeah, um, I'm not sure you have to ask the Buddha what he would say, but I'll say <laughs> for my, my understanding of this, of what comes up right now in this, this night. Yes. Yeah, so I think it's, it's that, um, you know the same exact action can come from a place of true generosity or a place of really mixed things yeah we didn't like you you brought on like all the sense of duty and responsibility that we just you know that just I have to be there for this person, even though I don't really want to be or I don't, you know and that's that's this interesting dance that you know many of us have to learn is how do we you know really bring ourselves to the forefront you know care for ourselves that's why you know I like to go back to what's um What's your default? What's your normal way of doing it? Right. So if you normally are, uh, as I think I, uh, what I would guess from you and our, our time that we've, we've, you know, talked over the years is that you probably give more than you probably, you give more that you give a lot. Right. So I think the learning would be more on the side of maybe bring yourself forth, yourself more to the front of the line, that sense of self generosity, that sense of, of kindness toward yourself. And because sometimes that sense of responsibility, it gets a little tricky because sometimes it's really distorted. It gets a little distorted. Like what, you know, we can think I'm the only one who knows how to do this the right way. Right. And maybe it can go different ways or maybe it can fall apart and maybe that's okay. Maybe that actually allows something else to, to stretch and, you know, emerge, you know, and if we're a really, you know, high, high functioning with our, you know, your profession and with your, Child and all these things that you're doing, it's like sometimes stepping back and letting things kind of okay it's okay if it doesn't go perfectly or at least my idea perfectly and what I would say that that's that's the greater learning you know what that elicits you know what comes up around that because that you know that the pattern of of being responsible and you know being competent you've learned that allows you to really succeed in those areas, and then it be, starts to become a little bit of a prison because that reinforces that sense of self that sense of who you are who you've cultivated we don't want to throw that out all out the window but we also want to play with maybe releasing that or not always having to act from it i guess this comes down to choice right can we choose to not follow through with our our natural impulse you know even though it feels like we might be letting people down and you know maybe we really are not you know taking care of ourselves talking to those who really know you and care about you I think probably many of them will say, well, yeah, you probably, Emory, you need to take more care for yourself or give yourself more time off or whatever it might be. But it's a rich place of practice.
6: Yeah, thank you. You yeah, you're a good listener during the times that we've talked. Um and I'm I'm also kind of realizing too that um it can be Kind of like you were alluding to, it can be scary or very unknown not to show up in the way that I'm used to. You know, like what will happen? You know, what, it, it feels very unknown and, and, um, more like out of control or something. Like there's definitely, um, like a sense of fear there almost. So thank you for helping me see that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that, that sense of fear, or that sense of trepidation, or the sense of unknown. For, from from a Dharma perspective, those are all like really helpful pointers that shows that you're disrupting this kind of the status quo or the kind of the framework, almost like the framework of that sense of self. You know, again, there's, there's a very functional one, allow you to do a lot of things. A lot of people rely on you and the identification of it, that that's who you are. That's who I am. That's what I am. When that starts to do, be sh- questioned or shaken or released, there's often that trepidation or that fear, because who am I gonna be if I'm not, you know, in there fixing everything or being the competent one or the responsible one? And that's the act of faith of that trusting, okay, let me just see you know, just try it in small ways. Because you can learn the same lesson in small ways. Pay attention, it can go very deeply. You don't have to like suddenly like (laughs) quit your job and go say, sorry, I'm going to go, go off and live on an island for a year. You know, you can do it in small ways and just notice it, you know, and realize that everyone around you is probably used to you always being there. And you you might have a conscious discussion or you might just do it, just kind of let them step up. You know, it's like most of us, there's that saying that 80% of the work's done by the 20%, you know, so, you know, letting yourself step out of that 20%, let, let yourself, let other people come up. And, yeah, the fear is its natural. That's a sign that it's a deeper place of practice. That's a good place to practice.
1: Thank right. you so Thanks. much. Thank you, Emery. All right. How are we doing?
7: Thank you so much. Um, I think this actually relates maybe a little bit to the question about emotionally letting go. Um as we were doing this set, I was noting a lot about when I'm feeling generous, it's often accompanied, I guess, with this sort of generosity of thought about the other person. So um if I'm very worried about the other person like taking advantage of me, or if I see somebody on the street, I have a fixed notion that they're if I give them money then maybe they're gonna use it on something that I don't approve of or something like that, versus when I'm feeling more open and generous. It's more, um I guess, maybe it's a less fixed view of the other person. It's not necessarily that I know that they're going to go do something with what I give them that I would hope that they would do. or I don't even know if they're going to use it on their own well-being, but like I'm just leaving the door open. Right. So that kind of struck me on that sort of generosity of thought. I was just wondering if you could speak to that and the way they work together.
0: Sure, absolutely. So that that sense of noticing your fixed view that arises, again, a very fruitful way of practicing. Like, okay, like I assume this is what they're going to do. This is the,
1: you know, this is going to be the outcome.
0: And you start to you just become aware how the mind wants to do that. It's it's one way we kind of make the the world seem. Because really, if we if we really pay attention, the world's like constantly in chaos like you know who knows what the next thought's going to come or that sensation and then how are we going to predict what someone else is going to do and so you know noticing that that fixity and yeah the sense that we're more open we're more um our hearts are more relaxed that we're able to kind of let that go and we don't have to throw out the the discernment i remember i mean, my wife and i got married back in 2001 we went up to canada for our honeymoon and you know took the train up there and you know of course you just have this huge openness because, you know, you just had this great celebration and all these people and right off the train, you know, someone approached me and said, you know, could I get some money for some food? And I said, okay, let's just, let me walk you over to McDonald's here and get some food. And he was like, oh, you know, it'd be better just to have the money. And, and, you know, so I gave him gave some money, but I could just tell that, okay, there was, you know, he wasn't being completely truthful perhaps. And yet the, you know, the openness kind of carried that you know, carry the action through and there's also the releasing of that. So it's that the discernment, that understanding of, you know, like the, I think the first question around, you know, doing something that's really going to have a high impact, you know, you can really do some good research, but there's so much of our lives, things we offer that we don't know how it's going to be. So it's, it's uh it's a, it's all a learning process, but yeah, that, I think that sense of the fixed view That could be really helpful. And you can start to notice that if that's interesting to you, how you create a fixed view in lots of areas in your life. You know, you see some, how many times have you seen, I can relate to this myself, how many times have I seen someone and I expect how they're going to sound when they first speak, right? Or back with COVID, you know, we spent most of our our time just seeing people through a mask and some people I never met without having their mask on, right? And then they take their mask off and it's like, oh, I didn't think you would look like that. You know, that's the example of fixed view. And we do that in small ways, in big ways. It's the basis of all our prejudices, our racism, our sexism, all of these things that we say, this idea of how they how you should be, how they should be. So it's generosity is a great way of eliciting that. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Anyone else? If yeah, the so next week um we'll be doing a discussion on this, this topic. So the homework again is just pay attention to generosity and um I should be there in person. I think I'll be, I'll probably wear a mask, but I should be, be good to go. All right. So thank you all. And I hope you have a wonderful evening and um have fun practicing with generosity. It's a fruitful
1: place of practice.